Strap on the boots and scrape up the knuckles. Oh, what a hit! He got jacked. This is the Big Red Raid. Presented by Santan Ford in Gilbert. Murray's going to score. Touchdown. Slammed to the ground by Buda Baker. Like a torpedo, he came flying into the backfield. <laughs> the Rage is brought to you by Santan Ford in Gilbert. Are you Santan Ford? State Farm. Talk to an agent today at 800-STATE-FARM. And by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. Vision blurring, rage taking over. Here's Paul Calvisi. I'm ready. I'm 100% ready. I'm telling you I'm ready. And Ron Wolfley. It doesn't get any better than that. Unleash the fury! Was the night before the 2023 NFL Draft. And once again, there is one known, just one absolute. None of us is allowed anywhere near much less in the war room. Hashtag access denied. Where's Todd Haley? So what we do is we form our own war room. It's an annual tradition here on the Big Red Rage, presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. We are Santan Ford. We are the collective voice of the Arizona Cardinals, the voices you just heard in the open, the highlights right there. Join us in studio, Dave Pash. Ron Wolfley, a little bit later, Cam Thomas. Cam will join us here on the Big Red Rage, and there's just one opinion, just one rule, that is. All right? All opinions are your own. Own your opinion. And i got to give you guys props and give you your flowers. Over the years, you guys have been pretty darn accurate with some of your draft predictions, especially in round one over the years when it comes to your Arizona Cardinals. All I know, Paul, is if I had a pick... I'm taking Wolf because look at this guy. I didn't even recognize him when he came in and how much weight this guy has lost. His shirt doesn't fit. His pants are falling off. You need a new belt, by the way. Right, thank you. What are you weighing these days, Wolf bro? is Listen, w- you're I, winning the offseason. What's going on? Look at Polly. You know, uh, the cheeks were a little full. I think you guys understand that. <laughs> and the doc looked at me and said, oh, by the way, Moon River, you've got to go ahead and actually lose 15 pounds. That's what he told me, and that's exactly what I did. Hey, the cheeks aren't as full. I lost 25, as a matter of okay, fact. Okay, you look Well, you know what? I had to get in shape. Very, very much like a lot of the prospects that are out there wanting to actually impress this draft. But I am noticing that the skin, where the, the cheeks were puffy, the, the skin yeah. is kind of droopy. Okay, like well, to, David, to, I appreciate we to, that. Uh, well, and, and, and we need to get you into, um, what are those people that, that like stretch your, <laughs> stretch your skin out? Now that I have no idea. <laughs> now that we're getting highly personal, I think we are ready to talk. I mean, now that we have that and the fact that quarterbacks of their pro days are hitting the ceiling of the practice facilities, you know, I think that tells us we're ready for the NFL draft. So... Wolf, the weight you lost, uh, Cam Thomas might have gained. Ooh, really, Paul? We're going to ask him that question a little bit later on this edition of the Big Red Rage. But first, the question to Jonathan Gannon today. Voluntary veteran minicamp out there. The Cardinals' first look this week at the new head coach, the new coaching staff, a lot of new names. In fact, Kaiser White said he's still struggling a bit to learn all the new names and faces that he just calls everyone my guy. 
That's what Kaiser White said. Here's Jonathan Gannon on Zayvon Collins because we couldn't help but notice, Coach, that Zayvon today was working with the outside linebackers. We had him there, I think, these last two days, and he's uh, he's doing a good job. What I love about Zayvon is that's the type of makeup that you want in your players is, Coach, I'm willing to do anything that you want me to do to help the team. And when you have a bunch of guys like that on your team, you have a good chance to win. Ron Wolfley, your thoughts on that? We know he checks in at 6'4", 260. He has the size to play outside. Yeah. Does he have the capability, you think? Paulie, that is a great question. I have no idea. But they certainly think he might be a candidate to play the edge, obviously. Or they're not going to do this, right? You're not going to do this. You're not going to start moving a guy around unless you believe, number one, mentally he could actually handle it. And number two, he could do it physically, of course. Now, I think we all understand that Zayvon Collins is a big unit. There's no doubt about it. He could play the edge physically. He could set the edge. But, man, rushing the passer, coming up the field, and playing Mike Linebacker, really two different skill sets. I I don't know, but I do know this. If J.G. is putting him there, they think he can do it. Once upon a time, Micah Parsons was drafted as an inside linebacker. Look at him now arguably the best defensive player in the NFL, and he plays all over the front seven. You think maybe the Cardinals have something similar in mind? Well, a lot of people thought when Micah Parsons came out, they weren't sure if mentally he would be able to handle everything that you need to be able to handle at that position, and that's why they moved him to where they did and said just go get after the quarterback, kind of what Philadelphia uh, did with Hassan Reddick. The Cardinals obviously tried to play Hassan Reddick inside, and – you know, Zavin, in talking to Zavin last year a couple times, it seemed like he was growing over the course of the year and getting better at handling all the calls. So it's early. It's April. The fact that in a couple of practices he's playing on the outside I don't think is a big deal. The only concern for me would be, what well, does that tell you they don't think that he is a middle linebacker? If you're using him outside right now, is that because they think he can be Micah Parsons or because, you know, we're not sure that he can be our Mike linebacker? Yeah, and if there's any doubt right there, it's typically not a good way to go for the most part. And it's very difficult to figure that out if you're not in pads as well. Or is it just a sheer necessity, just getting numbers and bodies at outside linebacker off the edge? It's an unknown. It's sort of like the DeAndre Hopkins. We don't know what his future is exactly in a totally different way, whether it's going to be with the Cardinals or not. Here's the D-Hop update desk. Pac-Man Jones, good friend of DeAndre Hopkins. He's been tuned into the whole process, and he's been on the Pat McAfee show. Here he is earlier today with an update. My sources okay. um, just hit me and said, Bills and KC. Source says... That something might happen tomorrow. Well, something definitely going to happen tomorrow, uh, tonight or tomorrow. All right. TikTok on the NFL draft in DeAndre Hopkins. First of all, Paulie, we need to talk about the two teams that he mentioned right there. Did he mention the Kansas City Chiefs? Yes, he did. And did he mention the Buffalo Bills? Yep. Yes, he did. Oh, by the way, it's West Virginia. It's West Virginia. Okay, (laughs) Pac-Man. Don't make me get fired up and sing the, uh, the fight song. But having said this now, those two teams make perfect sense. You better believe it. And why would both of those two teams want DeAndre Hopkins? Because he fits into their 11 personnel package like a glove perfectly. And those two teams figure to fight it out in the AFC 
for another chance at winning a Super Bowl. This is this is the best case scenario if in fact those two teams are interested. What's he worth? What's he going to fetch? And, and I know there's been a lot of um well and I think a lot of this comes from those two teams trying to drive down the price of a DeAndre Hopkins. I'll just say this. The Steelers are picking number 32 overall in this draft, top around 2. Do you know why? Because they got a round two pick from Chicago about a year ago for Chase Claypool. Oh. So what's DeAndre Hopkins worth if you're thinking you have a legitimate shot at a Lombardi trophy and you're a receiver away from completing your offense for Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes, and D-Hop is plug and play unlike any receiver in the draft or anyone left in free agency. Older guys that make a lot of money, maybe it's you know harder to get more for them where chase claypool a little bit easier maybe to acquire i'm not sure where buffalo and kansas city are from a cap standpoint and what they're willing to pay uh for deandre hopkins but i think it's clear deandre hopkins will not be here right it's trending that way uh i'd be shocked at this point if d hop is a cardinal uh this fall would you be shocked if bryce young doesn't go number one overall yes very shocked because Carolina has said in the last 24 hours they have reached a, quote, <clears throat> consensus as to their number one pick. They're not telling who it is, but come on, it's got to be Bryce Young, right? So, I, yeah, look, I start, and I'm not saying that my sources know everything, but um, I do work for ESPN, and so I talk to a lot of people that are working the draft, and they felt, this is three weeks ago, that, that Bryce Young was going first, that somebody had either Bryce or his agent had been told, you're, you're going number one. And look, he's... The best quarterback. He is the most NFL ready. Uh, the the my two favorite guys that we met with this year in person were Bryce Young and Will Anderson. Those oh. are my two favorite mm. people. We, you walked away from meeting with those both those guys like man, this is this is who you want as the cornerstone of your franchise. And then I went and watched Bryce Young in person light up the Sugar Bowl. Uh, this guy is as accurate and as smart. When Bill O'Brien, he sat and told us this, and we, we told the story in the air, that Bill O'Brien has to have cut-ups ready for his Tuesday meeting with Bryce Young because Bryce will already have watched all wow. the film, and oh, Bryce wow. will have his own. Wow. So oh. it's like an he's oh. already an oh. NFL quarterback. Yeah. When he you really play for is. Nick Saban, too, you almost have to, and Bill O'Brien, you almost, you almost have to. Did you hear the quote from Steve Sarkeesian, the now Texas head coach, former Alabama offensive coordinator? He, he called Bryce on, quote, Steph Curry on grass. I love it. I think it's, that's really good. So, Wolf, this draft really starts at number two with Houston. Here's Ian Rappaport on what the Texans might do. As far as number two goes, I would be surprised if the Texans don't take a quarterback. I will stick with quarterback until it is proven otherwise. That said, like this is one of the draft's great mysteries. But if they don't take a quarterback, then I think three gets auctioned off at an astronomical price. I do think that will have massive, massive, dramatic effect. See, I totally agree with that. I really do. I agree with that. And I still think number three, ultimately, when it's all said and done, is going to bring a pretty penny for Monty Ossonfort and the Arizona Cardinals. Everything I'm hearing is C.J. Stroud is not going to Houston at number two. So, if that's true, we'll find out if it's true tomorrow night. If it's true, do they take a quarterback at number two? Do they take Will Anderson or Tyree Wilson, some have said, at number two? Or do they trade out? And if they trade out, does that team take Stroud? Or do they take Levis or Anthony Richardson? 
So, yes, the draft definitely starts at two. I'd be surprised if the Cardinals trade out of three until after that selection is made. I think right? you're right about that, you're gonna have You're going to have multiple calls and yes. multiple options, but you're not going to pull the trigger on a deal until you know for sure who's yes. going at two. There's a reason JG told the media last week in the pre-draft presser, and I quote, I can't wait to see Monty work the phones Thursday night. Because I think he knows that they are going to hang on until pick number three to see what sort of phone call <laughs> that they're not going to deal I the pick too, Paul. until they're on the clock to see who's on the board, and especially if there's a quarterback like C.J. Stroud or maybe just the upside in the ceiling of an Anthony Richardson, someone, someone is going to go for Paul, the measurables it, on Anthony Richardson. It only takes one. <laughs> Never forget that. It only takes one guy saying, I, I can't believe other people don't see this. I, we're going to move up and we're going to... Yeah, it's called Trey Lance and the Trey Lance Syndrome. And the other thing now, guys, as we know, it does not hold your franchise hostage anymore to take a quarterback You're early because right. you can move on a couple years down the road or find a guy like Brock Purdy in the seventh round and make a guy like Trey Lance dis- disposable. Hey, the latest reporter, Shane Steichen, the Eagles, right now the Indy head coach, considers Anthony Richardson a, quote, supercharged Jalen Hurts. <laughs> Big Red Rage, back with Cam Thomas and more right after this. Dope. Everybody talks about Will Anderson. Yes, he's talented, but it's about the effort that he gives turns into a supernova. Intercepted by Christian Gonzalez. This is a bigger, longer corner who can do much. Why they are continuing to test him is beyond me. Will Anderson doing damage. Anderson. Cardinals need edge players. Do they need defensive tackle? Do they need offensive line? Do they need a corner? Do they arguably need another receiver? Maybe even a running back? These are all positions that have been associated with the Cardinals in mock drafts. A lot of those positions in round one. So it's tough to know, tough to tell exactly where the Cardinals might go. Tomorrow night, 2023 NFL Draft, although Monty Ford said to the media, and I'm quoting now, we know where we want to go. We want to reserve the time on the clock for in case there's a call with an offer. It's the Big Red Rage, Paul Calvisi, Dave Pash, Ron Wolfley, our special and annual draft edition, Cam Thomas coming up. But Dave, what's your expectation? Will the Cardinals, I mean, deal or no deal? What do you think is going to happen? First of all, we, we don't know who they have outside of the quarterbacks at the top of their board. If they have Will Anderson at the top of their board and they feel like if Will Anderson is there at three and we, we need to take him because he's somebody that changes our organization, and then I think you make that move. But my guess is that they're going to look to get assets because you don't rebuild in the NFL when you have a quarterback like Kyler Murray who's been to the – Pro Bowl and Rookie of the Year. You, you, it's a it's a reset. We know that based on everything that's happened here with the players that they haven't brought back, with players that might be traded. And I think that's how they're approaching the draft. It's the next two years. You've got to build through this draft. So that tells me you trade down, and then it comes down to who's there. Is Devin Witherspoon from Illinois there? Is Tyree Wilson still there? Is Will Anderson still there? What about an offensive lineman? It just depends on where they trade down to 
and what they can get in return. You look at what Miami got. Okay, here's what Miami got for Trey Lance. They got the number 12 pick. They got a first and third rounder. And then they got another first. Yep. So can you get that? Can you get that kind of a haul, or can you get a bigger haul, depending on who that person is? Well, if you're talking about the haul, of course, you wait till draft day for that haul right now, especially because the fulcrum of the first round has shifted to the Houston Texans and number two. It's up for sale. They put that up. They let everyone know that this pick is for sale. That's put him in the catbird seat. I'll believe it when I see it. I'll believe it when I see the Texans not draft one of those quarterbacks. One of those quarterbacks that are definitely going to be there. I'll believe it when I see it. But having said that, I think the Arizona Cardinals, once again, are going to sit there and wait and see what happens at that number two pick. And that means you're going to wait to pull the trigger on any deal that might be out there until draft day. That's what I think, because it's the ultimate pressure point, as we all know. The NFL draft in the offseason, especially when the draft is actually rolling. For example, Anthony Richardson did top 30 visits with the Raiders, with Indianapolis, with Tennessee, with Atlanta, Baltimore. I mean, possible any, all of those teams could make an offer on draft day for number three overall. What do you do if you don't have that guy at Q? you got to take a swing. you got to take a shot. So I think the desperation will be there for someone. Now, if the Cardinals stay at number three, and Wolf, I know we tend to agree, but if they stay at number three, here's the other thing I know, is that this draft will not be like the last 15 drafts for the Arizona Cardinals, where in the first and second round in the last 15 drafts, if you go back and you check the archives, two, only two offensive linemen and two defensive linemen have taken in the first and second round of each of the last 15 drafts. I think that changes. I think the Cardinals start building from the inside out. And it's interesting you say that because you think of two guys in particular. Robert Kimdichie was a player that you took a flyer on because you thought this guy's so talented we can't pass up on. There's one of your defensive linemen. The other was Dan Williams, by the way. And and offensive linemen. (laughs) Dan the can. Uh, And the other one was DJ Humphreys, who, again, you were kind of taking, hoping he would become that guy because – he had come out early. A lot of people thought, you know, maybe he should have gone back to Florida for one more year. wasn't really ready yet, and we saw that. He wasn't ready. He was immature. Now he's, you know, one of the best offensive linemen on the team, if not your best offensive lineman. I agree. I think you've got to – and I think this group views it this way too. This is my assumption that you need an offensive line to protect your greatest asset, which is yes. Kyler Murray, and clearly to win in the NFL, and you saw with Philly – with Jonathan Gannon, you got to get after the quarterback. So I kind of hope, even though I love him, I hope Will Anderson goes two to Houston because it opens up a world of possibilities. Yes, it does. No, I know. Even though I love him as well, Will Anderson is the one guy I love more than any other player in this draft. But, man, if Houston, if they sit there and they go, no, we're not going to take these quarterbacks that are out there. We're going to take Will Anderson. That's what we're going to do. Now, all of a sudden, the fulcrum immediately shifts to pick number three. The Arizona Cardinals could get a boatload, and that's exactly what they need, in my opinion. I do believe you're rebuilding. When you've got a new general manager, you got a new coaching staff, you got a new head coach, you're rebuilding. It's not a total rebuild because you got a franchise quarterback. You can call it anything you want to call it. But to me, right now, they've got to do it from the inside out. Rebuild it on the line of scrimmage. Certainly, 
And when it's when you're talking about protecting your quarterback, that's what you've got to do first. That's why I believe the Paris Johnson. I believe that scenario right there, and if it happens, I'll stand in a blood. Well, here's Ian Rappaport, NFL Network, on the potential of the Ohio State left tackle going to the Cardinals. The Paris Johnson thought is certainly one that has been gaining steam around the league. The Ohio State tackle, probably the safest and, let's say, the consensus number one tackle for most of the people we speak with would not be that surprising a pick, considering you know, making sure that Kyler Murray is in a good spot in the future is paramount in this organization. Certainly something he would like. Uh, but for the Arizona Cardinals, yes, they would like to trade out. But, of course, that all begins with what actually happens right before they go. All right. Now, look, full disclosure, Charles Davis dropped his final mock draft. He has Paris Johnson going number three to the Cardinals. That seems to be the latest buzz. Paris Johnson to the Cardinals. My question, can you trade down to seven with the Raiders and still get the six foot six, 313-pounder? He was second-team All-American. I get it. And by the way, his sophomore year, two years ago, he started all 13 games at right guard. So yes. he, he could become an interior O-lineman for his first couple of years. Yes. And look, the offensive linemen that come out of Ohio State have a pretty good track record in the NFL. Uh, Iowa, Ohio State, a lot of the Big Ten, Michigan, Penn State, um, a lot of those schools have it. Wisconsin, pretty pretty good track record um, because of how they play. SEC too. Um, I man, unless you think, man, if we don't Paris Johnson, we've got him as our best non quarterback, our highest rated non quarterback. Um, I'm not saying they do, but if they do, you better be convinced that if yeah. you don't take him there, he's going to be gone at four, right? Otherwise, you move down. You move down to four or five or six or seven because you need assets. I, I, This is just me, guys. I honestly believe that is going to be the scenario right there. That is going to be the scenario. It's going to present itself. Somebody's going to look at that number three. They're going to look at that number three, and there's going to be somebody there, and it only takes one team. Once again, it's not like it takes two. You know, it's, It takes one team to actually say, man, we love that guy. That guy right there is going to be the next Tom Brady, or that guy right there is going to be you know, whatever it may be. You gotta have one team that wants to move up, and I, I think the Arizona Cardinals are going to get that opportunity sitting there at number three right now with some of the quarterbacks that are on the board and will be on the board. It takes one team to fall in love with a Will Levis, one team to fall in love with Anthony Richardson, and if that is the case, Monty Austin for the Cardinals. They're going to be they're going to be training out of that spot. Dave, you remember what Michael Bidwell told you on the Pash Pod? He, he said a couple of things. He said one, we have to take pressure off Kyler Murray, both in terms of all the decision making that was tasked upon him. We're going to put him under center more. That was his prediction. Schematic. Build the offensive line to literally take the pressure off him from edge rushers. And then he said, our system, uh, our grading system is about to become quote the former system of best player available, where they're going to look for the best Cardinal fit within that system so that's interesting there a lot of people have the cardinals going corner at some point early in this draft is there a corner you particularly like in this draft yeah i i love devin witherspoon from illinois did one of their games this year the guy reminds me of buddha in the sense of like he plays with his hair on fire and he wants (laughs) to kill people okay but he's faster he's bigger and he's a different position but i you know hello christian gonzalez from Oregon, I, I, I understand why people are falling in love with the measurable 6'2", 200, 4'3", 40. Devin Witherspoon, I think, is about the same. You know, another guy, 
depending on how far you drop if you trade down. But, you know, Joey Porter Jr. for a long time was considered a top five pick in the first corner off the board. Then Illinois had this great year. It was really unexpected. Witherspoon skyrocketed. Um, I'm hesitant with corners from the Pac-12 a lot of times. Okay. I I just... (laughs) Why do you say that, David? Because, again, who you're... I don't know who you're playing against a lot of times. I mean, I get Jordan, you know, there's Jordan Addison, but for every Jordan Addison, you like Addison, corners in the SEC. Is I like most saying? players in the SEC, but yes, but <laughs> yes, I think, right. I, I, I think, and, and, and some people might say, well, then why take a corner from the Big Ten? Because, you know, again, I think track record, look at a lot of receivers the last few years coming out of the Big Ten that have done well in the NFL, particularly from Ohio State. Well, think about when the college season ended till now. Nobody would have put Tyree Wilson ahead of Will Anderson. But they are now. Bucky Brooks, his latest mock draft, because he's 6'6", 275. I had someone tell me, yeah. Tyree Wilson visited the Cardinals. They're like, look at that dude. And that always moves the meter. And, and people might say, well, wait, take a defensive lineman from the Big 12 and from Texas Tech. He was at A&M before that. So technically, he does have an SEC background. And by the way, who's using Bucky Brooks? So Dave says Wolf has been winning the offseason. Cam Thomas has been winning the offseason. even followed his San Diego State team to the Final Four. How about that? The Cardinals defender is next in the Big Red Rage, brought to you by Santan Ford and Gilbert. Snap to Smith. Drops back the throw. Pressure in his face. He's in trouble. And he goes down. He's sacked back at the 21-yard line. Cam Thomas, the rookie is there for the Cardinals to make the play. First career sack for Cam Thomas. Herbert back to throw on third down, in trouble, steps up, sacked again at the 44-yard line. This time it's Cam Thomas. Steps up in the pocket, gets hit, arm is hit, ball flutters, picked off by Simmons at the 40-yard line and tackled at the 37. Cam Thomas swiped at the throwing arm of Mac Jones. The ball fluttered into the air, picked off by Simmons. I don't know if Isaiah... Ever bought you lunch for that? That was week 14. Mac Jones, you hit the throwing arm, and boom, that ball's up in the air, and down comes Isaiah Simmons with the pick. It's been about a year or so since your first appearance on the Big Red Rage, presented by Santan Ford in Gilbert. A year ago or so, we called you Cameron Thomas, but that feels too formal now. Can we just go with Cam? Is that cool? Hey, that's totally fine with me. <laughs> How about the beard, by the way? You look about five years older with the beard. Yeah, um, you know, it's actually the first time I'm trying it out. I'll take that as a compliment. And, uh, yeah. It's good. It's good. You also look like uh, you put on some uh, some muscle. You put on some weight as well. I mean, they got you listed at 6'4", 267. Uh, are they going to have to adjust that, Cam? Uh, yeah, they're just have to adjust it a little bit. I'm um, sitting about 270 right now. Last year I played uh, closer to 255, 260. Uh, you know, coming in here last year, uh, when I got drafted, I truly – believed I was going to be in a, a 4-3 scheme and with that you know those ends played just a little bit heavier than a, a traditional outside linebacker and when I came in I was sitting around 272 um, you know they asked me last year to drop a couple pounds and I went ahead and did that and like I said sat around 255 um, we also did like a body scan thing uh, not sure all the science behind that all I know is they told me you know your frame you're, you're you could really sit around 300 if you wanted to so maybe wow. pack on a few pounds and that's exactly what I did this year uh, put my head down went to work um, and the natural, uh, the muscle came kind of naturally. So um, mm. I feel uh, just as fast as I did at 255, at 270, 
Um, and I'm really excited about this upcoming season. So are you going to be an outside linebacker for how long? What is your future position-wise? Uh, I'm, I'm really happy at outside linebacker. Obviously, I'll be happy anywhere they play me. Uh, but, you know, I'm really enjoying um, playing outside linebacker. And, uh, yeah, that's where um, I hold for now. So your position coach is? Uh, Rob Rodriguez. That's right, from ASU. Yeah. And so part of an all-new staff. So give us the first impression because this week has been the first voluntary veteran minicamp, right? You've been out in the field. You just got out of the weight room. Just give, give everyone a first impression of what JG and this coaching staff is all about. Yeah, you know what? I got to say, I absolutely love the energy the new staff has brought. And it's all the way across this board. You know, there's no weak link anywhere. I think the new coaching staff coming in, uh, bringing the energy every day. And I really like how they're simplifying everything. They're trying to put it in the most simple form for us to understand so we become masters at this stuff as soon as we can. Um, so, you know, first impressions, that's what I would say. And, you know, we're still in the in the phase that we're kind of feeling the coaches out. The coaches are still kind of feeling us out. Uh, so, you know, there's um, there's definitely a little bit of learning every day um, amongst everybody, I guess I would say, in the building. And, uh, yeah. Cam Thomas, our guest on the Big Red Rage, presented by Sam Tan, Ford, and Gilbert. Have you had that one-on-one conversation with JG and or your defensive coordinator, Rick, Nick Rallis. I mean, and if so, what can you share with us about that? Uh, yeah, you know, not uh, too long after they got, um, it was official that they were uh, joining the staff. You know, they both, both reached out to me on the phone and just expressed, you know, what, what their intentions are to go this season um, with me and with the team. Uh, we, something that they express a lot is it's a team first and then you. And I really, really uh, enjoy that. Um, you can just kind of feel the the sense in the building um, of everybody kind of coming together. You know, I feel like there's there's been, um, especially with this mini camp, just a lot of bonding that's been going on. So, uh, yeah, I'm. I think it's it's moving on for a really good direction for this program. What do you think you learned the most last year, from beginning to end of your rookie season? What were your biggest takeaways, or maybe your just your biggest areas in which you grew? Uh, you know, that's a really good question, and you know, one I really haven't. Uh, sat down and thought too much myself, but I would say um, to be a pro, you really have to sit down and evaluate yourself every single day. You know, in the end of the day, it is really um, you becoming the best person you could possibly be. The coach's jobs is to serve the players, and the, uh, the, the player's job is to maximize themselves. And that's what I guess I would say I learned the most last year was maximizing myself and taking everything I could from the coaches uh, and the players themselves, you know, just being an absolute sponge, anything I could take in to become a better player. Um, you know, I'm, I'm going to have the same mindset this year going into year two. I believe that's the biggest jump that players make in this league. And uh, with that being said, I want to just take everything I can in and um, use it to the best of my abilities. And sometimes it's not just the coaches. I remember Hard Knocks, right, in NFL films they captured behind the scenes. In fact, we have the clip, you and J.J. Watt, one-on-one in one of the meeting rooms. Mm-hmm. The number one thing you got to remember is that you also have strengths. Never talk yourself out of being successful. So, like, you have a great bull rush and you have a great long run. Just because this guy is good against it doesn't mean you can't win with it. I'm I'm year 12. I'm still learning. What was it like to spend the whole year with J.J. Watt, number 99, the all-time great? It was uh, fantastic. Um, You know, you can only learn so much from a coach's uh, standpoint because, you know, they're the ones on the sidelines, they're the ones looking at the film. So they have kind of more of that knowledge. But when you talk to the players, the guys that are right there next to you, the guys that are out there getting the feel, um, you know, that's something that's a little bit different. And uh, luckily we had a, a ton of guys last year that had a lot of experience. Um, you know, J.J. and, and, and Marcus Golden and uh, Dennis, um, you know, a ton of guys that I was able to kind of learn off of. 
Um, and I, I do remember that, that session with JJ. Um, you know, I just kind of wanted to hear his side of things and kind of his story and his background because, you know, um, something as being an athlete, you know, there's no just solid trend up. And, you know, there, there's it's it's a bit of a rocky road in your career. And um, so be able to talk to JJ and kind of hear his side of things um, made me a lot more comfortable as uh, as a player. Um, and, you know, something I'm very thankful for him taking the time to teach me. Yeah, if a rookie comes in next month and says, all right, Cameron Thomas, I just missed J.J. Watt by a year, what'd you learn from, from 99? What will you tell them? What will you impart to maybe some of the new guys this year? Uh, you know, kind of what I just said, you know, yeah. be yourself. You know, that was something that he, he kind of explained to me. You know, it, obviously there's the team aspect of things, so don't go too far. Don't make it about you. But you know what you can do. So um, in the end of the day, it's, it's you're going to be out there. And, you know, uh, just any edge you can get. Uh, something I remember that JJ said that I really liked is he already knows before he walks out there that he won. You know, he went in there. He put in the work. He knows he's worked harder than everybody else. You just got to go out there and, and now execute it. Uh, so, you know, hearing something like that, um, you know, and then kind of like sit and look where, where I am as a player, I know I kind of have the same, you know, philosophies. Like I know for me to be the, the best player I could be, it is, it's going to be through work and effort. Um, you know, obviously I have some things that come natural, natural to me, some things that don't. So hearing that like is something that I could, uh, you know, use and, um, you know, use to my advantage. Cam Thomas on the Big Red Rage. Did you have a welcome to the NFL moment as a rookie last year? Was there anything you learned the hard way? I don't know, like going against Trent Williams and the Niners. or I mean, was there ever that moment you're like, dang, okay. Yeah. Um, you know, I, was, I think I had a couple moments. I wouldn't necessarily narrow it down to one. Uh, you know, I do remember, um, gosh, I, th- I believe it was the Saints game. I, w- I walked out in the field. The coach threw me out there. I knew exactly what I was doing. But, you know, there are veterans in this league, and veterans sometimes have the um, – the seniority over you. So I remember one time I went to go back out there at end, and I don't remember exactly who it was. Uh, I believe I believe it was JJ actually. <laughs> uh, kicks me inside. He's like, "Yo, play the three on this rap. I'm gonna take the edge." And I kind of just you know shut my mouth about it. Um, but the thing was, is I was I only knew what I was doing at the edge. I wasn't comfortable enough to knew what I was doing at the three. So I kind of had a little bit of a rough time right there. That one was not very fun in the meeting room. Um, you know, and that's just, that's just part of being a rookie, you know, and you got a Hall of Famer out there. Um, but there was a lot of experiences. Uh, I guess another one would be Trent Williams. You know, I remember scouting him all week and just uh, just watching him and how he was such a technician. So I knew with a technician, you got to be a technician yourself. And, yeah, I just remember um, I really took that one as a learning curve, uh, just to be a professional, watching him, taking myself in. And, uh Yeah. We heard your first career sack, right, at Seattle. That was week six. We heard the sack against the Chargers week 12, the interception you caused. How about the two quarterback hits against Tom Brady? What was that like for you to play against TB12? Uh, you know, that one that one meant a lot to me. Uh, so a little bit about me, my, my family background. Uh, my parents are both from Detroit, uh, and they grew up they're, – they're Michigan fans. Uh, my aunt was a, a, a UM alumni and everything, so – uh, to have that background and then to have uh, family in town for Christmas from Michigan to be at that game, uh, it really meant a lot, you know. And just I was lucky; I, I made the cutoff. I had one year, his <laughs> yeah. last year, I, yep. I just made it uh, by. And you know, when you get into the game like that, you know, I was—I I remember before the game, I was like ecstatic. I'm like, this is such an opportunity. I'm gonna have the opportunity to get after the goat. Um, but you know, once you kind of get out there, it's just kind of like, you know, what am I doing? Like, what, let's play some football. And I remember the first hit I had on him, I got up and celebrated. 
and I'll turn around and I look and the energy wasn't there. I full blown thought I had a sack on him. Like no doubt in my mind, I had a sack on him. I didn't even know it was a, it was not a sack <laughs> until I got to the sideline and people told me it wasn't a sack, and I didn't even believe him then. Uh, that one was a little bit of heartbreak, but uh, yeah, no, I uh, caused the the quarterback hit and hurry and uh, incomplete pass. And then on the second one, um, you know, the, the their starting tackle went down, the backup went in, and I could just kind of tell pre snap. Um, it was I believe it was an empty backfield set. I remember pre-snap, I could see the, the splits from the tackle. I could tell from his, his posture that it was going to be a pass play. And with his splits, I knew I could take that inside gap. And uh, I didn't even – I just shot the gap. I didn't even hesitate at all. I just shot the gap, ripped my arm through, and uh, got, the, got the hit on, uh, on Tom Brady and that forced the uh, Marco interception. Three sacks last year, and uh, if you're not familiar with Cameron Thomas, he was the guy doing the sack celebration, the surfing, right, from San Diego. So that's a keeper, by the way, isn't it? You're going to go forward with that, aren't you? Yeah, you know, I like to uh, express a little bit of my uh, San Diego uh, native background. So, yeah. What do you think, by the way? We're getting to the point uh, of the summer where all the Arizona license plates are in San Diego. Come on, be honest. You know, as a guy who grew up in San Diego in the 619, what did you think, you know, back then of all the Arizona plates invading your hometown? You know what? I, I will say this. The Arizona drivers, they drive with a lot more intent than the, the California drivers do. <laughs> and I actually appreciate it because some of these California drivers – uh, don't get me wrong, but they just they they just go out on the road just to drive, just cruise, um, you know, maybe five, sometimes ten under the speed limit. It's like, what's going on here? I come to Arizona, I'm like, this is this is more so speed. This is more my speed. So uh, it was funny seeing that uh, that difference. And as we close it out here, we hear the music real quick. Your thoughts on the uniforms? Thumbs up on the uniforms? You like them? Oh, absolutely, thumbs up. You know, I think I like how simple they are. I like how clean they are. Um, just fresh. That's, those are the words I would describe them with. You seem confident you're going to have an impact this year. I'm really excited about this this upcoming year. Yes, sir. It's good. It's good. Cam Thomas, our guest. Can't wait to see what he does in year two. Like he said, so many guys make that big jump from year one to year two. And but by the way, mock draft, you got any inside information? Mock draft, what are the Cardinals going to do at three? Couldn't tell you. I remember last year I played the guessing game and it didn't. I, ha, I was like oh for like two hundred and was it sixty? <laughs> All right. Well, we'll we'll put Passion Wolf back to work when we come back. They actually have a pretty good track record of predicting what the Cardinals do in round one. That is next as we wrap up this edition of the Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford in Gilbert. When the Cardinals are looking at number sixteen, there, uh, give us a gut feel. I mean, how do you think they're going to assess the two thousand eight NFL draft? Which direction do you think they're going to go? First two rounds, you're going to be able to get a good corner if you're Arizona. If Rogers Cromartie is there, that's who the Cardinals take. Uh, you know, even if there's a Calais Campbell there in the second round, uh, that's a position you got to look at strongly. That is a flashback, El Grande, to the 2008 draft, pre-draft edition of the Big Red Rage. It is a tradition here, all brought to you by Santan Ford and Gilbert. Dave Pash, double ding. You nailed both picks the Cardinals made there, the first and second round. How about that? Those are some lofty expectations you have to live up to this year, Dave. I had really good sources, so I can't really uh, I, I can't really sit here and be like, oh, I knew. I predicted perfectly who they're going to take. It's just information. 
That was good. Right it's just there. passing I along. I love the humility you just showed as well, good. David. That was good. <laughs> and Cam Thomas was good. I, you know, I, I tell you what, I like the progress he's made in the off season. I like the confidence. It's a quiet confidence. I like the fact that he says he's up to two seventy and he had a body scan. He could get up to three hundred pounds. What's in his future? Could he be a future Zach Allen? Is he going to stay at outside linebacker? I don't, I'm really intrigued by him, but I mean. Him playing at about 10 to 15 pounds heavier and in better shape and stronger, just his bull rush, because J.J. Watt has given him props on his bull rush, what he's able to do this year off the edge, intrigued to see it. That's from- where he's got to be, Polly. Got to uh, use that weight, put him in a five technique over the outside shoulder of a tackle, mm. got to put him there. All right, so the quote is, it's the most uncertain draft in years. That's what the insiders are saying. Now, I don't know if that's recency bias. It always seems like it's a little uncertain. But, I mean, honestly, at number three, the Cardinals could go any of four or five different positions. They could go any with four or five different players if they stay at three or if they trade down. I mean, how far is too far in your mind, Dave, if they're entertaining a trade down? I think it depends on what – look, they need multiple Assets. So, what are you getting? If if it's a team, if it's Tennessee, where's Tennessee pick? They're 11. 11. 11. So, you know, if you go back to 11, do you have a couple guys in mind that you think, yeah, they're probably top five? And at number 11, we feel really good. That to me seems like a stretch unless you're getting so many picks. Again, you're getting something for 2024 as well. Because I think this draft. This year is not just about 2023. It's about yes. 2024. It's You've got to get multiple assets in the next two years. So when you take the field, the fall of 2024, you're, you're battling for the playoffs. Not saying they can't this year, but we know with Kyler being hurt and a lot of new faces and a new GM and a new head coach that the expectations are going to be low for this year. But I think you can raise those expectations for the following year by knocking out a knocking it out of the park with these next two drafts. Let's say it's Tennessee. Monty Ossoford obviously has a great relationship with his former team, right? Sold. That would be the Trey Lance deal. That would be two future first-round picks, and you swap first-round picks this year. Are you willing to wait, Ron Wolfley? Would you do that? Yes, I would, Paulie, as a matter of fact. No doubt about it. I think that's what's going to happen. This is just my gut feeling on this. I don't think the Arizona Cardinals will be drafting a player at number three. They're going to get the opportunity. What's the old saying? When preparation meets opportunity, you're going to have success. Right, That's the definition of success. They're going to have the opportunity right there to trade down. Somebody is going to fall in love with a player and want to move up to number three. They're going to have that opportunity. And if it were the Tennessee Titans, I would not be shocked at all. And oh, by the way, I still think you're going to be able to get Peter Skaronsky there at number 11 Mm. or even Paris Johnson. Let's go full circle on this show, come back up to Houston at number two, picking right before the Cardinals. Are we really buying they're not going to draft quarterback? I'm not. I mean, they did nothing in free agency. They're going to run Davis Mills and Kyle Allen out there again? Yeah. <laughs> That's what they want you to believe, Paul. But they can trade down. They have another first-round pick where they can take a quarterback or use that to move back up. I, I, I would be surprised if Houston picks at number two. I think they're going to okay. either move out of there um, again, I'm hopeful as much as I love Will Anderson that either he or Tyree Wilson has picked it too because I just think that opens up tremendous options for the Cardinals. I think somebody else is going to be picking a quarterback at number two. I do not think it's going to be Houston. Oh, that's so cool. And that's I cool. think 
number three as well. That applies to number yes. three. I, I think they're both going to be trading out. When this process started some two months ago, your ideal scenario was going down to four, Wolf. Yeah. Going down to four, still getting Will Anderson, but cashing that in for maybe a, a round two pick. With, with Indy, that would be top of round two. Round two. And you oh, could get a starting corner or a starting D tackle there. Yeah, and oh, by the way, Ryan Kelly, thank you. Oh, We'll take him off your hands since they want him. Um, Yeah, I would say Ryan Kelly. I'll take that. Here's the other thing to consider, guys. The Cardinals aren't the only ones waiting to see what happens at two. You've got all these other teams. How many teams in the moment, depending on who, what scenario plays out at number two, which team is going to panic and say, we've got (laughs) to get to three We'll give yes. up this. They're on the clock. Yes. Monty says, hey, we want this. Okay, we'll do it because we got to get this guy at three. You're going to have a lot of teams out there that are very nervous. And when number two goes and you're on the clock and you've got to make this deal, you might be able to get something from that team that maybe you wouldn't today or a month ago. Speaking of being on the clock, you guys are on the clock. We need a prediction. Oh. It's an annual right here on okay. this edition of the Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. Ron Wolfley, go. Um, the Arizona Name Cardinals, a player! The, the Arizona Cardinals trade out of number three. Oh. They go back to number 11 and they take Peter Skaronsky. I think the Cardinals trade down, I don't know, maybe between six and eight. I think they get Paris Johnson. I think they go down to eight with Atlanta. I think Atlanta's Ooh. a sleeper and they grab Devin Witherspoon. That's what I think. There have been some reports out there to that effect. By the way, the Cardinals, in terms of visits, the AI that is known as Craig Grealu, right? He went in uh, all the reports out there about players that they have visited with. It's dominated by offensive linemen, defensive linemen, and corners with a few centers mixed in. Three (laughs) centers they visited with. When you talk about the top 30 in combine. So just let that hang in the air where the Cardinals are targeting. You know what you might not love, Ron Wolfley? We'll leave you with this. In the last four drafts, only two fullbacks have been chosen. (laughs) Just to let you know. So, uh, you know what? Uh, Hey, Paul. Maybe, just maybe. Soft. I hope Houston takes B. John Robinson at number two, and it just throws everything into it, everyone into a tizzy. Special thanks. Jim Omohundro, Mitch Veralda, special thanks Cam Thomas for Ron Wolfley and Dave Pash. I'm Paul Calvici. This has been the Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. Number one, Tyler Murray! You've been listening to the Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. Are you Santan Ford? State Farm. Talk to an agent today at 800-STATE-FARM. And by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. This has been an exclusive presentation of the Arizona Cardinals Football Club.